Good morning, everyone. So good to be here and see you all again. Seems like Sunday comes up fast, doesn't it? So anyways, uh, you know, I was just thinking this morning how blessed we are to have this place, this building. You know, I mean, it's just, you know, I think we take it for granted that we have a place to worship freely, you know, and others have to go and hide in basements. And we're just, uh, we're just glad that we're free to worship our Lord and without being persecuted and just, uh, just the freedom of, of our country and our God. Let's stand up this morning and sing Almighty to Save. Put your hands together.
passion, love that's never failing. Let mercy fall on me. Everyone needs forgiveness, the kindness of the Savior, the hope of
let the whole world sing. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. Jesus, shine your light and let the whole world sing. We're singing for the glory of the risen
And Lord, we just thank you that you are always there for us and that our Savior loves and lives, and we give you praise for all that. So God, right now as we move to the time where we continue worshiping by uh, receiving your tithe and our offerings, God, we ask that you bless them uh, and, and meet the many needs here and around the world. And God, ultimately, that um, we can continue to worship you for you are great. God, there is no one greater than you, and we give you praise for who you are. And that, that Just the awesome fact that you would send your son to to come upon us, to live with us, to teach us, to give us the example, to die, to connect us, uh, to pay for our price, to die for us, and then to raise again, to connect us back to you. God, that is amazing. And so, uh, and then not only all that, but then to find us worthy enough to be part of that ministry. And God, part of that is our continued worship and service to you in the community and the larger world. And so God, I ask that you send your blessing upon both the tither and the giver upon these gifts as we multiply them, God, to further what you desire, not what we desire. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. And I have a feeling that you'll probably want to stand for this one, but if you need to sit, please go ahead. But, um, one of the greatest hymns ever written, one of the greatest songs ever written, How Great Thou Art.
Gosh, how do you follow that up, right? You follow it up by saying, kids, you get to go learn more about God now, all right? So you guys, um, right now our kids can go to our Haven Kids Sunday School. And everyone else, just say a, a quick, how great thou art to people around you. All right, good morning, everyone, on this rainy, uh, weather-filled day, right? Uh, but it's a little bit warmer. We're glad it's not snow. Everybody enjoy yesterday? Oh, yeah. 70, it's a teaser, right? Isn't it going to be 40 this week? Just thought I'd share, okay? All right, welcome. Uh, number one, I want to welcome anybody who's here for the first time or so or, or checking out online. Church, we want to welcome you uh, as part of our church, Haven Church Online. We want you to relax, have a great time, just connect to the Lord if... Um, if you didn't receive a card, just kind of raise your hand. They'll go ahead. Our ushers will go ahead and make sure you have one. We'd love for you to fill those out. Uh, we won't misuse that at all, but we want to go ahead and have that connection so we can get information to you, but also so that we can go ahead and um, and, and pass off, uh, you know, like any kind of um, happenings, but also just so that we keep you in the in the loop of things um, to come. So please fill that out. Um, you can look at several different things. You have an insert that is a, uh, maybe a new insert to you Friday, April 12th from seven to nine right here. We are going to have an evening of praise and worship. It'll be right here at the church. Just come as you are. And we're going to, uh, have a good time just celebrating and worshiping God. Sometimes, you know, uh, it's just nice to stop the world around you. Am I right? Just stop the world, close it out and just connect and worship God. Okay, uh, many of us, pro I, I see that um, one of the interesting things about that song we just sang, How Great Thou Art, it takes many of us back to a place, am I right? It takes us back to maybe an old pew uh, in a church, if you don't know what that is, uh, you're not old enough, it's an old wooden bench, and you might be sitting there and remember that person who harmonized, or, that, or it might have been your, uh, a family member's group. Um, a favorite hymn, right? It's one of, one of those, and it brings you back to that point. And so one of the things we want to do is not only bring us back to a point in time, but we want to bring us back to what made those songs uh, and, and what makes our worship every week, hopefully for you, that time where we can connect to God in a special way, okay? So um, plan to be here that night if you would like to. We'd love to have you, you all out. Um, Easter egg hunt for all kids 12 and under on April 20th at 10 a.m., so you can see that donations of Easter candy are needed by April 7th if you want to go ahead and, uh, and do some of that. So you can please see W.D. Virgilio. She's in there. Mirren's Table Outreach Opportunity. Um, this is our last Sunday for collecting uh, those bread banks. And I know some of you are like, ah, I left it at home. Okay, but let's, um, we want to make sure that we get those in ASAP so that we can get those to Mirren's Table and help with that outreach. Um, youth Group Trip to Singley Manor. Um, we'll be visiting to fill um, Easter eggs and sing hymns on April 7th after church. And so parents and younger siblings are encouraged to attend. So if you'd like to attend that, please go ahead and do so. You also have an insert 
here um, in your bulletin. This is for Easter lilies. We like to have those um, here. If anyone would like to donate in memory or honor of someone, they are $10 per, uh, per plant, and the, the orders are here, but you must receive them by April the 10th. Uh, so please go ahead and fill that information out as well. And then the National Day of Prayer, you can see, will be Thursday, May 2nd, and that's not far away, right? That's, which is awesome because that's a month away from uh, Tuesday because tomorrow's April Fool's Day. I'm not lying. So you got your jokes ready, hopefully. Um, for prayers, we want to lift up those who are on the journey to recovery and those seeking that. Uh, prayers for Chris and Amy uh, Scarborough and family and the loss of their son, Anthony, in a fatal accident on Thursday evening. So we want to continue to lift them in your prayers. Um, Kitty has asked for prayers for... Uh, Robin Castillo and family, her grandmother, Elise Weller, passed away this morning, so please keep, um, is that Elsa? Elsa, sorry, Elsa and your family in your prayers. Uh, Joe Fleming, prayers for the Pennington family, a classmate, um, his classmate Claudette passed away, and um, Pignatier family, a good friend, um, with a, Pat passed away, so we want to lift them in your prayers as well. Uh, Jen Legullo for the Scarborough family also, um, we want to lift those up. Also, at prayers for the Yoder family and the Quick family. Um, Nancy Yoder, who I mentioned last week, 54 years old, um, lost her battle in this world with cancer at the age of 54, has two sons in their early, late teens, early 20s, and um, they had a celebration of life for her. And what a testimony of life. She was a teacher at Brandywine, and she was impactful in so many areas. I got there toward the end of the, of the visitation, and there was still a line around the block. So that just is a testament to her life and so many others, and they gave honor to her yesterday. All right, so let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you, and there's so many concerns, so many needs, so many things that we that are just on our minds. And so, God, right now as we come to you in, in the security of this place, in the place where we can come together and just shut out the world and worship you on this rainy day, that, God, sometimes this weather outside is, is an illustration of what's going on in our lives. We feel like there's this dark cloud of rain that just is following us all over the place. Well, Lord, one of the things that we just want to do is lift up your name higher and higher. We realize that there is tra are tragic deaths here. There is loss. There is um, sickness and illness. There's lack of direction. There are people who are injured and facing surgery. All those things, God, are going on. And yet, sometimes we're trying to find you in the midst of it. So, Lord, as we are in the stillness of this place and that we may quiet our minds from all those things and just focus on you, and may God, may you speak to us in a new way. And even if we're struggling to find you, God, just give us that glimpse that we may find you in here this day. And for that, we give you praise to know that you are who you say you are. And we're just passing through this world, and that's going to get better. It's going to get better one day when we stand at the feet of Jesus. And for that, we give you praise in Christ's name. Amen. Good morning. Today's reading is from Matthew chapter 27, verses 45 and 46, the death of Jesus. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me?
Um, okay. So, uh, eventful, but should be. Um, before I begin today, I want to give you a couple other calendar notes um, so you can prepare. We're only a few weeks away from Easter, believe that or not, right? And so, a couple of the calendar notes I want to give to you is our, our Good Friday service. will be 7 p.m. on when? Good Friday, there you go. And um, our Good Friday service is one of those most uh, special uh, services of the year. We really enjoy that and really gives us time to stop the world and focus on what Christ did for us. And so uh, if you're just coming from work, come on in. Um, it'll, be a, it'll be a great time for that. And much of our series is based off of that. Um, and we'll actually have our last part of, that se- of this uh, famous last words on Good Friday evening. Um, and then Easter, you have two options. We're going to have 8.15 in the morning, um, 8.15 and 10.15 as well, recognizing that some people have a lot of people coming over. We also recognize that that tends to be a day where a lot of people come to church. And so you have those two offerings, 8.15 and 10.15, same service. Um, who knows? Uh, who knows what happens at each one? That's up to God's business. But I'm planning the same things, all right? So, uh, again, Good Friday, 7 o'clock, uh, Easter, 8.15 and 10.15. Now, what's, um, what's really interesting is we are in this series uh, called Famous Last Words. And these are um, the recorded last words of Jesus. Now, if you're following along in Scripture, you're going to say, Jack, you skipped one. And I did today just because of time and other things. And the one I skipped is pretty much where Jesus looks at his, from the cross, looks at his mother, looks at John, um, the disciple, and says, hey, here's your mom, here's your son. Basically take care of each other, okay? So I skipped that uh, because I wanted to get through a couple others. But I wanted to talk about, and I felt this one built upon last week even, even stronger than before. So we were talking about uh, the basis for the series is, yes, the scripture, but also it just popped in my head about a book that Jack Hayford had written many years ago. Pastor Jack Hayford wrote a, a song, for those of you in early contemporary Christian music, might remember that song, Majesty, Worship is Majesty. He wrote that, Jack Hayford, and was probably one of the first mega pastors uh, that was out there, but a really great guy. And he wrote a book that since has been redone in print, but it was called how, pretty much How to Live Through a Bad Day. Now let me ask you, how many have had a bad day? Anybody have one this week? Anybody have a bad kind of week this week? All right, there's a couple of you. So you can join in. You're going to connect really, really well. So that means everybody's had a bad day, um, even those people who say, how you doing? They say, never had a bad day in my life. And I'm like, weren't you just griping five minutes ago? So yes, those tends to happen. So when we look at bad days, there are levels of bad days that we have. Like for instance, there's that bad day when you have that craving and you can't wait to go ahead and eat that Chick-fil-A sandwich. Only to go ahead and pull up and recognize it's Sunday, right? And so that's a bad day. Anybody ever done that before? Who's done it? I have. I was like, oh, no line. I'm like, oh, that's why, okay? Um, so you have those bad days. And then um, you can have those other bad days where you, you left yourself enough time to get to some place and all of a sudden there's an accident or some problem and, uh, or some other thing and you get frustrated because of gridlock or you left it, you left it, you thought you would have the right time, but... For some reason, there's a lot of traffic, and you get really agitated. Anybody ever get really agitated uh, in traffic? Had that thing that we call road rage. It's there. So we have all those kind of things. Or you might have a Murphy's Law day. You know what I mean? Anything can go wrong, Will. You know, I remember, I, I remember like sometimes you sit down in a chair, and the chair breaks. 
uh, you walk across the room, a room you walked across a billion times, and you trip and fall on your face. Uh, anybody have days like this? The stuff that the work that you got done was not what really needed to be done, and, and you set everybody back, and nobody, everybody, nobody's happy with you. Anybody been here? All right, so when we're looking at bad days, Jesus probably had the worst day of anybody recorded in history, where it went from him just singing, a, having a Seder meal with his friends, to uh, celeb- celebrating that Seder meal, to going out to the Garden of Gethsemane as they did, singing a hymn, only to then turn and be, tr- be betrayed by one of his own, to be taken into captivity, to have a trial and a series of trials that were completely wrong by Jewish and Roman tradition, only to go ahead and be false convicted, to have people lie about him, to be beaten to with an inch of his life, to then be tortured, to be able to carry his cross, and to be put on the cross and stripped naked in front of everyone passing by, and over top of him said, behold the king of the Jews. All right, to be hum- humiliated, it was a horrific horrific day for him. And yet, even in the midst of the horrible day that Jesus had, we can learn something from him. In the last couple of weeks, that's exactly what we've been doing. We've been trying to learn from Jesus exactly what it means, exactly what it means, and how we're supposed to react to going, uh, to going through um, bad days and our relationship with God and, and others. And so some of you may be like me that you were raised in a church and you were raised in church. Now, and, and depending upon the person that you knew at times, you were told not, to, some, some churches were told not to ask questions, right? You, you were just told to, yeah, that's what it says, just deal with it, don't ask questions about God. So at times when bad stuff happens, you would often go ahead and say, well, God, why? Or you might have been that kid that prayed for something and had a friend that was ill and you prayed for them and they got sick and may have died. And you're like, you ask the question, why? And somebody meaning well may have come to you, we just don't ask God why. Anybody ever heard that? And that's wrong. I'm going to tell you that's scripturally wrong because we can see right here from Jesus. Jesus, in the midst, in, right in the middle, um, in the middle of this whole thing, in the middle of his suffering on the cross, said, my God, my God, why? Why have you forsaken me? So let's look. Let's look a little bit at this. And uh, again, let's take a look at what he says in Matthew 27. In Matthew 27, it, Jesus has been on the cross for some time now. And it says the sixth hour, from the sixth hour until the ninth. So this is right in the middle. This would have been noon, okay, middle of the day. And it says, from the sixth hour until the ninth hour, darkness came all over the land. In other words, it got completely dark at this moment. So not only has Jesus been beaten, and you have this crucifixion, you have all these things, he had to carry everything. Now he's been up there for several hours, and now everything goes completely dark at this moment. And about that hour, Jesus says in a loud voice, and let's hear it for June. Didn't she do a great job at that that verse? she came up to me and she goes, you really want me to say this word? I said, I said, yeah, you got it. And she rocked it out. Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. All right, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, how many of us in the midst of our bad day, our bad situation, or some of us may say our bad life, does it seem that when things are bad, all of a sudden, things get really dark? Anybody? That just seems like, and I'm talking about that, that wave that seems to cover you. To the point that you can't see anything in front of your face. 
And so Jesus, fully God and fully human, probably gives us the, the most honest human remark he ever does at this moment. When he says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, it makes sense here because in order, and I can get theological here, but in order to become the sacrifice for us all, he personally set aside his divinity at this moment. He personally set aside, hey, I'm not going to go ahead and be everywhere and all-powerful and all-knowing. I'm going to go ahead and be fully human. And he took all, as the scripture tells us, all the sin of the world, all that stuff, the stuff that God cannot be in the place with because God is all good. And so at that moment, for the first time in his nature, God departed him and he felt the weight of sin and darkness. Not only physical, but the weight of that heaviness of everything that we do. And so what we learn from Jesus here is our lesson number three. And it's this. During these times, aim your hard questions at God, not others. You know, often we want to go to Oprah or Dr. Phil, don't we? And they're good people. Who else can save major problems in a half an hour? You know what I'm saying? Okay, right? Dr. Dr. Phil can do that in a half an hour. It's awesome. Um, but, and, and they're good people, don't get me wrong. But there are some questions in life that we have no earthly answer for. There are so many situations that I have no understanding for. After 24 years of being a pastor and being in several situations, somebody asked me the answer. I'm like, at times, I don't have a clue. Makes no sense to me. Trust me, if I'm God, this story is written differently. But if I'm God, we're all in trouble, right? So as we're looking at this, here he says, he says, he goes to God. He doesn't say to everybody here, why am I like this? Why are you doing this to me? He says, my God, my God, why in this moment? And what Jesus tells us here is that we can. For those nice people who told you don't question God, they are wrong. Jesus said right here, it's okay. You can say why. You know why you can question God? Because God's big enough to handle it. God is big enough to handle your pain your hurt, your doubts, your confusion. When no one else has an answer, God does, and we may not get it in this world. But he's like, go ahead and give it to me. Now, I've had several levels of bad days. From this week, it was levels of bad days with dealing, uh, it started with um, a, a puppy that got under the bed and I tried to reach and I jammed my finger and it, got, it swelled up about three times the size and and. Don't think negative of me. When I'd show people my finger, it was my middle finger. So, so, so some of the, the people in life, you can say, look at my finger, and you really are, you know, you know what I mean. Forgive me. Uh, it was conve- it's confession. But it would really hurt. Come on, you know that's funny. All right. So, um, but we had those situations. Then other times, uh, it, then other times during the week, it was that people who were supposed to do one thing for, um, like, like other people who had planned on saying they were going to do something at, uh, in, in my other job at the school and they promised they were going to do something. I talked to them on Monday, they were going to do it. And then by Wednesday they said no. And then meanwhile that affects four or five different things. And then you're mixing and you're matching. Meanwhile, well, everything has to be done by, by the next day. And then you have meetings that you're in all day. And it's, you know, it's really odd. It's all everybody. Anybody relating to me? You have that. Then you have kids who have issues, right? Anybody have kids? They have, have issues? If not, come talk to me. I want to find out the plan. All right. Uh, then you have your own issues, right? And then you're, you're just kind of, anybody close yourself in, anybody just freak out. You might be one of those people that you go through that. Then you go ahead and you, you, uh, you know, like 
like for me, I kind of segment stuff in my life. My mind's always moving. Uh, it, it never stops, and that's not a good thing at times. But then you go and you stand in line. You say, okay, I'm going to go to the viewing um, visitation. So you go, and then you walk in there, and they got pictures of this person who is so vibrant and full of life. Right? That is a major person who just loved the Lord, and even in the midst of her suffering toward the end, never denied him. And you're like, this is not right. And you go up and you see her husband and you see her sons and you see her brother and sister. And you're like, this is not right, right? And so your week is just like, okay, God, what's going on here? So the levels of that could be from that way. And then if you look at your life, your levels uh, for years, I have had levels of bad days where I've had that call from people about a young person who died and they need me to go to the hospital or I've gone to people who expected to have their baby and the, have the joy and have the nursery done only to find out that they had a stillborn child. Or it may have been that someone that you love very dearly was diagnosed with terminal cancer and then they're gone within a month. Or they have friends who you thought were friends who backstabbed you and, and broke, you all, broke off a relationship or even friends out of the blue, that everything seemed that was fine, and then all of a sudden you get a call that they passed away. Or whether you're, you're dealing like Melissa and I did with our own situations of miscarriages, where you go ahead and you actually celebrate to a church and say, hey, guess what? This is what happened. Everybody celebrates with you. And by the end of that week, you're in the hospital getting a scan, and they tell you that your, your baby is not going to make, is, is gone. And you have to deal with those things. You see, just over the last month, I, had, uh, I was thinking I had uh, a friend who I, I just shared with you, 54, who died of cancer after a long battle, who decided at the, when her oldest son was at the age of five to take her leg off so that she could have a life with him. And then to have another form of cancer come in and another form and to keep fighting that and fighting that. And seeing her son write a great post about his mom, about her faith, but also in the other side saying, my mom's never going to see me graduate. She's never going to hold her grandchildren that she would love to have done. And my grandchildren, my children are never going to get to see this wonderful grandmother. And to realize that's there. Also had a friend, um, my very own age, who over the last month took his own life. And yet you're in the mix of all this stuff. And in these moments, the questioning occurs. What do we do when life and God don't make sense? When we feel forsaken, abandoned. And lost. You know, there's a story of two little boys who were, let's say they weren't the best little boys. They were always into mischief. And the mother had had enough of them. And she said, I, Pastor, I can't, she went to a pastor and said, I can't do anything with them. Can you do something with them? He said, sure. He said, let me see, uh, your oldest one tends to be the one who's leading that a lot. So let me see if I can go ahead and talk to him first. So, he went ahead and he, um, he brought the oldest in. He sat him down in his office. And as he sat in his office, he went ahead and he sat behind his desk. And he just took his hands like this. And the boy sat there nervous. And he said to the young man, he said, where is God? The boy sat there. He said, son, I said, where is God? Boy, he looked a little bit more nervous. 
He said, I said, where's God? He started shaking. He said, where is God? At that, the little boy got up. He ran out the door, ran out the church, ran down the road, ran into his house, hid under the bed and was shaking and shaking. His brother, obviously very nervous, came in and said, Michael, what's going on? He goes, we are in trouble now. God's missing and they think we did it. <laughs> Just a little humor in the midst of that. All right. So many of us at times wonder, where are you, God? Where's God? In the midst of my tragedy, in the midst of my sorrow, in the midst of everything that's going on, where's God? You're talking about you're here. Where are you? Because I don't feel you. I feel abandoned. I feel lost. And yet here we are. So what can we do in the midst of these times? Number, here's some things that I've learned that you can do. Number one, you can trust in his nature. Now, in order to trust in his nature, you've got to know what God's nature really is. Because some of us were raised that God is hanging out with a lightning bolt and a, th and a sledgehammer waiting for us to mess up so he can totally either zap us or smash us. Anybody, anybody been part of that? Well, you grew up with that ideology that God is this God of wrath and just wants to tear you apart. That the whole, he wants you to follow him so that he doesn't smoke you, right? And there's an ideology that we grew up with. And there's a part of that, a little part of that. But the main reason is because God hates sin, but he loves you. He loves you so much that he sent his son Jesus to pay that price for you. To become sin on our behalf. So who is God then? Who is God? Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. It says, praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Father of, what is it? Compassion and the God of all comfort. That's who he is. His nature is compassion and comfort. God's nature is compassion and comfort. That may be the first time you've heard that, and you may have sat in churches for years, and that's wrong. He is the God of all compassion. Compassion is when you mess up that they say, I love you, and that love for you overcomes that. And comfort meaning doesn't mean that he's going to give you one of those massage chairs or whatever. It means that he wants to come alongside you in the midst of your suffering and be there for you. That's who he is. He is the father of all that. In 1 John 4, 8, which is not in your, uh, in your worship guide, it says God is love. So God is the God of compassion and comfort and love. In Mark 10, 18, it says no one is good. Except for God. So God is the good father of compassion and, and comfort. All comfort. And he is loving. The bad thing is we often project our present suffering, our present situation on God. And it's often the negative situation we project on God. God, I'm going through this. What's wrong with you? But when everything's good, we don't always say, God, I'm going through this. You're awesome, do we? And so when we project our bad situation on God, we miss the point of who he is. So we need that in our lives. Number two, we not only trust in his nature when we know what his nature is, but we have to trust in his promises. We have to trust in his promises. What are the promises of God? When I was a kid, my favorite hymn in the old uh, Methodist hymnal was standing on the promises of God. God, my King, through eternal ages, let his praises ring. Glory in the highest, I will shout and sing, standing on the promises of God. Standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior. Standing, right? Remember this. Anybody? Okay? 
what that song, I was like the beat to it, but the, the, the uh, nature and the meaning of that song was, no matter what's going on around me, I'm going to stand on the promises of God. So how do I know the promises of God? I know that in my dark day, I don't feel like standing on God's promises. Because God's promises seem so far and remote from me. But what does it say in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 1.20? It says, no matter how many promises God has made, they are what? They're what? Yes. They are yes in Christ. And, uh, and so through him, the amen is spoken to us to the glory of God. Now, a couple things here. I want you guys to go ahead and say yes. Okay, better than that. Okay, so when God says, hey, when I will never leave you and forsake you, you say there you go. And if he says, hey, when you go through the darkest time, that I am the good shepherd and I will bring you to greener pastures, you can say? Okay, so that was pretty lame. But you can, what I'm saying is, no matter what situation you're going through, the answer to God's promise is, is? Yes. And so when it's yes, it also says, and they are um, yes in Christ Jesus, and so through him, the amen. What does that mean? Amen means so be it. So when uh, some of you, again, we're going to take you back to that, uh, to that hymnal. Remember how every song used to end? Amen. Oh, Anybody remember that? If you haven't been in church for a while, that's the thing they all did, all right? I don't know. It could have been like one of those demented, weird songs. Amen. Oh, and part of that is cool because it meant so be it. Whatever you were singing, so be it. So when you have a yes to God's promises in Christ, then you end it with a so be it. That I'm, I'm not only, that in other words, what you're saying is, I may not feel like how great you are right now. I, I may not feel that. I may feel emotion, but I'm not feeling that you're great with my situation. But I'm going to say yes in Christ Jesus. Amen. Okay, you got it? You know what I mean? So uh, some of you remember our amen corner with Gary in the back. When Gary would, uh, Gary would go, Alabama. amen. You know, just to let you know. That's a good thing. You know, that's a good thing. Like what, that means like he's paying, either paying attention to what I'm saying or he's sleeping and somebody's sleeping and he's coming out and saying amen. But no, I know with Gary, he heard something and he was going to say amen because he believed that that's what God was going to do for his life. Right? Okay. Um, you, there you go. You're supposed to say that. Good job. Okay. Somebody's paying attention. There we go. So, but we have this. But here's the thing. Sometimes I don't, I, I, sometimes I feel forsaken even with the promises of God. I don't feel that God is there. But I need to trust and cry out in the midst of it. In, uh, this is not in your worship guide either, but in Romans chapter 8. If you want, I, I challenge you, this week, read Romans chapter 8. It's a great chapter. And it says this. I consider that our pre present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed to us. And it says, for creation was sub subjected to frustration. Anybody frustrated? With life, it was that's because this creation was subjected to frustration. And then in verse 28, it says, And we know that in all things, how many things? All things, God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. What does He what does that mean that God's doing here? It means He's taken all your stuff. And what Satan intends for bad, God's saying, Oh no, I'm gonna bring something good out of it. I'm going to do something about that. I'm going to make it good for those who love me. So we have that one. Next one, trust in his final destination. While grieving and questioning, 
We just have to trust that heaven is better than here. We got to, that although, although that in my mind, Nancy Quick Yoder left this world way too soon at the age of 54. I know that her life in heaven is so much greater. And when I, when I look at the Apostle Paul, here he is. The Apostle Paul who experienced prison. He experienced beatings. He experienced stones and when he, when he, stoning. And when he was uh, beaten, what the Apostle Paul experienced, he experienced, we told, 39 lashes several times. And 40 would have been the death blow. And here's what he says. He says in 2 Corinthians 4, 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. And look at how he talks about all that stuff he went through. He was in shipwrecked. He got bit by a, by a viper. He had all kinds of bad stuff happen to him. And he says, for our what? Light and momentary troubles. Now, if you read about what Paul went through, they are not light and momentary. But he says, our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory. That far outweighs them all. So we don't fix our eyes on what is seen because what is seen is temporary. Cancer, death, AIDS, addiction, all those things are temporary. But we fix our eyes on what is unseen for what is unseen is eternal. What is unseen is eternal. And so that's why this great verse that mostly we only hear at weddings but we need to remind ourselves of it right now from 1 Corinthians 13. For we know in part. How many of you like to know everything about everything? Like if you get a little bit, like somebody tells you something, you're like, I'm going to check this out. I don't like not knowing everything about everything. Like I'm one of those bad people that when you put me on something and somebody else is doing it, I'm already trying to figure out why I'm here and why they're having me do this. Anybody in that boat with me? And I don't like knowing a little bit about something. Like if you tell me, just come in here and sit, and then we'll explain it to you. I'm like, no, you're going to explain it to me now because I don't trust you, right? (laughs) And that's exactly the same thing we do with God because right now we know in part. We don't know it all. And, you know, this is hard for us in this time where we can just Google it and make ourselves look intelligent. Like Like people always go to me, like will go to me often, where does it say in the Bible there. Just to let you know, I'm not a, a, a walking biblical encyclopedia. I Google it too. And I'm cool with it, right? I thank God for Google. I remember knowing everybody's telephone number and looking at people and telling them, I don't remember my own telephone number now. Why? Because I don't have to. Because I can look it up. And guess what? We live in a time where we have the access to more information than we ever have ever before. And so we think we know more, and when we don't know about God, and when we don't know why we're going through something, it messes with us, and we begin not to trust. And so, but the scripture tells us, now we know in part. Now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. But then, meaning after we cross over to eternity, then we shall see face to face. And in that I start to think about, not only am I going to see Jesus, But I'm going to see my grandmothers. And I'm going to see my friends. I'm going to see all those people who love Jesus. Because the promises of of God in Christ are yes. Amen? And so that means I'm holding on to those promises that everybody who's gone on before me is going to be there. And I'm going to see them face to face. For we know in part. I don't like that. Do you? But then 
I shall know fully. I'm going to be brilliant in heaven. Isn't that awesome? Even as I'm fully known, so are you. Because we're not going to care about knowing anything. The only thing we're going to care about is being in the presence of Christ. It's like this. In our lives, it's like this word right here. If I put this word up on the screen, what word is that? Nowhere. Now, if I ask you what two different words can you come from that, the first one would be this one, right? The one that's already up there. Nowhere. Correct? Nowhere. But I could also put a second one up there. Now here. Those are the two different aspects that we can have when we're suffering and we're in the midst of it, of where's God. You can say, God, you are nowhere. I see you nowhere. I, I don't see it. Or you can have the trust and the hope in Christ and say, no, Christ, you are now here. God, you are now here. I can't see it. I don't feel it. I feel abandoned. But I am going to hold on to your promises and trust that you are now here. This can happen time and time again. It is a perspective. It's a change in what we focus on in life. And so trusting God in all this, we still may have that weight. And Isaiah, the, I want to begin with this prophecy before I, I uh, tell you about how to work through the midst of the why. This prophecy about what Jesus would do long before Jesus physically came on the scene. And I want you to personalize this. So when you see there or they, put a me or my. And I'll try to do that with you as I'm looking here. In all my suffering, he also suffered. And he personally, personally rescued me. In his love and mercy, he redeemed me and he lifted me up. And he carried me through all the years. That's exactly what Christ came to do. To lift you up. To carry you when you couldn't do it anymore. To all who are weary, I will give you rest. At this point, that footprints poem comes along. So in the midst of why, in the midst of why, what can I do? Number one, I can learn while I ask why. I'm not saying stop asking why. That's wrong. Jesus told us you can ask why, right? So when somebody says, you don't ask God why, I say, uh-uh, Jesus did it. Good enough for him is good enough for me. All right? So you can add, learn by asking why. What can I learn in this God? What can I learn in this God? Look at what it says here in Hebrews. Even though Jesus was God's son... He learned obedience from the things he suffered. No matter what is around me, I can learn from it. Viktor Frankl, who was a great uh, psychologist um, and philosopher in, um, in, during World War II, wrote a book called Man's Search for Meaning. It's one of the, the most fascinating books ever. And he was in Austria at the time when Hitler was just beginning to invade. And he was, his parent, he was from a Jewish family. He was getting ready. He had, he had a visa to come to the United States, and yet his elderly parents were there. And he made a choice uh, to stay with his parents, which ended up every single one of his family, including his wife, being murdered at the hands of the Nazis. He spent time in, in Auschwitz, 
And he talks about how do you find meaning in life. He had a manuscript that he was going to publish that was going to be his, his uh, dissertation that was just taken by a Nazi officer and thrown into the fire. And so he spent his time in concentration camps writing on scraps of paper and hiding them, his manuscript, so he could remember all this. And he said, what I've learned in life is simply this. That there's three ways that give you purpose to keep living in life. Because he said some people would be out there in the field one day working and the next day dead. And what he found was this, that you need to have love. You need to have a love for others. And the hope of being reunited with his wife kept him going. Then you need to have a purpose. For him, it was that, that calling. Remember last week we talked about God's, about your spiritual giftedness. And connecting with that. And remember the number I gave you? 87% of people in the church, Christian people, don't know and will never know what their spiritual gift is. And so if you don't know what your spiritual gift is, you're living outside of where God has you. And life is going to be a little bit rough. And the other thing he said that, uh, that gives purpose to your life is suffering. He said, I learned more about myself from suffering than anybody ever had. A pastor said this, that pain is a passport that will take you to places you wouldn't have gotten to any other way. You see, some journeys are too long, aren't they? Like there have been people who I know over the years who haven't been able to have children, and that journey was long and dark. And when they got through it, it seemed like the darkness had come over them more. And I've seen some who have the joy of having God miraculously make that happen in many different ways. And I've seen those who were never able to find that connection in life. And yet to learn and to grow through some of that. Some of the, the strongest learning moments of my life and in ministry and in life have been the darkest times when I had no answers. Some of those journeys are so long and I have no understanding but I say God teach me something in this process. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1 it says in fact we expected to die. Their expectations were that they would die. But as a result, we stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely only on God. I've been amazed at the numbers of people who at one point are close to God and then life hits or they're struggling in life and they'll tell me when they see me, hey, I'm trying to get my life together. I'm trying to work. I'm, uh, you know, I'm trying to get things straightened out. And my new mantra is this, stop. Because you got it in the mess it's been already. Let God deal with that. Let God straighten you up because he can't, we can't fix anybody. Look what they said. We stopped relying on ourselves and learned to rely on God. Number two, not only learning while we ask why, but love. This was last week's message, right? To love while we are asking why. This shifts the focus from me to someone else. Remember Jesus on the cross with the thieves. And he looked after their needs. In Hebrews... Chapter 13, what if we don't feel like it? Sometimes I don't feel like somebody else around me. Anybody feel like somebody around you when you're suffering? Like, how many of you like to just go ahead and close away and keep people away from you? Right? Look at what it says in Hebrews. Here it says, and don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices. Everybody say sacrifices. You know what sacrifice is? Sacrifice is doing something you don't want to do. For a greater good. I don't think Jesus said, you know what, great, I think this would be awesome to be tortured today. I think this would be awesome to, have, to be beaten that way. I think, oh my gosh, don't you think it would be really cool if they could nail me to a cross so they can make jewelry? Do you think that's what Jesus said? 
He was in so much agony that the Garden of Gethsemane, he was in so much agony. He was saying, Father, please take this cup from me if you can. And he, he had this situation that he was in so much agony, agony and so much stress that droplets of blood fell from his head. And it's a condition that when people are in such agony that the blood vessels break in their forehead and mix with the sweat. That's how he was. But he said, not my will, but yours be done. That's sacrifice. How many times have you ever done something for your children that you don't want to do? Have you ever said at a ch child event? There you go. Something you would not be caught dead at. And you're there and you're like, yeah, that was awesome. And you're like, oh my gosh, just take me out, Jesus, right? Anybody? Am I the only evil one here? All right, there we go. And you do it, and you do it with a smile, and you do it with joy, and you spend money at it, right? You spend lots of money for it. And your kid may be the least talented person in the world, and you got to watch them, and like, oh my gosh, they're such an embarrassment. And you're like, oh great, you did such a great job, right? Because you sacrifice, because you love them. And the problem is we don't love each other. Like we should. And as I read the scripture, Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. That is love in the midst of our suffering. Loving from why? Loving from why? You know, I, I just started thinking about things this week. There's times where I've had to express love because of the role I'm in and because of who I am and not felt like it. Like, I, I did my own grandmother's funeral, and I was honored to do my own grandmother's funeral, but you're talking about something hard? Talking about one of the most formative women that ever touched your life, and you got to keep it together for everybody? I did my father-in-law's funeral. I've been at the bedside with someone that I was on a retreat with that became a friend at the age of 25 who got in a motorcycle accident and burned his complete face and ended up having uh, Thanksgiving and right before Christmas died. And the day after Christmas, I'm doing a funeral for a 25-year-old. And, and just wondering why. Probably one of the hardest things ever is receiving that phone call. You know what I mean? The phone call of one of your best friends has suddenly passed away. And then doing his funeral and then being somebody to grab a casket. It's not right. It's not right, is it? And guess what? I still have wives today. I'm going and seeing this vibrant life on a screen and recognizing, my gosh, She's no longer here. You see, those whys are always going to be there. But it doesn't mean you stop loving in the why. It means that when you're, when, in my role, when you go ahead and you're called on, you say, guess what? And here's my attitude, whether you like it or not. I'm going to be the best one to tell about my grandmother because I loved her more than anybody who could do it. Right? When I talk about one of my best friends... Oh, yeah, I'm going to talk about that because he was my best friend, and I love him dearly. And I'm going to give everything I can 
I'm even talking about doing my own funeral on video because I don't think anybody else can do it. I'm just letting you know. See, that's me. Okay, all right. So it's true. It's true. I'm sorry. Right. I also want my hand outside to shake hands with people. I'm sorry. I'm you, right. Have I said that, Miguel? Yeah. Thank you. All right. All right. Loving from the why. And the last thing, worshiping while asking why. I'm going to tell you this, I believe, is the most important. Because I think it sets up everything else. You, you see, like there are those times when you're wondering, and I mean, you can't sleep, you can't eat, you can't think about anything else, you're restless, you're not sure. You may even be at a point, I don't even know if there's a God with what I'm dealing with. I've had people that have been so active and smiling and love God, and then I've had, when life gets difficult, them call me and say some of the most ridiculously outlandish things out there because of their pain, because they're attributing to God the situation. And you know what the sad thing is? Because of one situation in their life, they completely throw God out. And I've dealt with that year after year after year. And you know what the problem is? Because we stop worshiping in the why. Because you know what? If, like, if I ask you to stand across the road, you look real small, don't you? You look real tiny way across the road. You get down, down toward Walmart, I don't even get to see you there. Because we're not together there. And so what happens with worship, and I'm not just talking about that you can sing, Some of you in here probably can't carry a tune in a bucket. And it's scriptural. It says make a joyful noise. The person next to you may not hear, but God likes it. All right? And so if you want healing in your life, I'm not talking about answers. If you want healing in your life and you want a different perspective, worship God. Just worship him. Some of my darkest points I will put in, how great is our God? And I'll start playing how great is our God or how great thou art and some of those songs that I know that get me get my perspective off of my situation and get them on God worship when you don't feel like it is some of the greatest worship ever in Hebrews 12 as we wind this down and we close out look at what it says here since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable isn't that awesome that here everything's shaking and moving everything's changing and shifting But we are going to, because of Christ, receive a kingdom that doesn't shake. Let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe. For our God is a what? Devouring fire. Now let me tell you what that means to me. It means to me this. That when I worship God, my situation might not change. But he begins to burn away some of the hurt and the weight that I have of loss. That means when a, if you're facing cancer or you're facing loss, that he, his devouring fire begins to consume the hurt and pain from that. That means if I'm dealing with, a, with the ills and the problems that have been occurred in my life because of addiction, that means God is coming and beginning to burn those things away because he is a devouring fire. And he's refining me in the process and making me stronger. And what I've learned from it, I can also love others from it and I can worship God in it. Anybody with me? In this situation. I don't have time to read it today. I challenge you to read it. From Psalm 22. 
David is going through some stuff, and he says this. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Many people believe Jesus was connecting those two on the cross. But what he does, what David does is he says, I'm going to worship you. In the midst of my struggle, I'm going to worship you. And I'm going to change my perspective. So real worship is not just singing and playing instruments and stuff. That's what we put it down to. Real worship is trusting God when life doesn't make sense. So my, my challenge to you is worship him. I look around the room. I see the challenges. I see the struggles. But I also, when I worship and when we worship together, I see God. Let's stand. Let's stand today. Lord God, we are in a point where many of us here are saying, because of our situations and because of our lives, we are saying, my God, my God, why? Why? Where are you? I don't see you anywhere. God, I'm broken. Are you even there? I challenge that you're even there. Somebody may be here right now, just, you've never even looked at it, but you think it's fine and cool just to say there is no God. I want you to put your money where your mouth is and say, God, all right. Where are you? And open your heart and begin to see who God is. Because lament, pain, suffering, it opens our heart and our mind. And so God, speak to us. When Jesus was on the cross and said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Setting aside all that and taking on the sin of the world upon himself. Not what he wanted to do, but he was willing to be a sacrifice out of love for, for me and everybody else here. The old John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. God, teach me to learn and love and worship. Teach me not to attribute my suffering situation to you. But help me be stronger so that I can be there for others. God, I got lots of whys in my life. There's lots of whys of people who have been in this church and have died and gone on. There are people who have been in my life who were some of my best friends ever. And they brought joy to my life when I needed them. And when, when there was those moments in life where I just needed to laugh that I had that person. And God, they're gone from this world and I hate it. And I want to ask why. And I can because you can handle it. But I do know one thing. I'm holding on to the promises that are yes in Jesus Christ. And I'm saying amen to the fact that when I get there, I will meet them face to face. And mostly, God, I will see you face to face. And all those whys are going to be fully known. And I'm not even going to care about it. Because I'm receiving the promise of a kingdom that's unshakable. Oh, God, I thank you for your word that this world that is just spinning. Spinning out of control and shifting and moving that's so unstable. That on Christ the solid rock I can stand. And I can say amen to all those promises. So God, right now there's somebody here today. And there's somebody who is in the sound of my voice. That has been saying, why God? Why God? Why God? Why? Where are you? Today I, I ask that God you make yourself real to them. By them opening their hearts and saying, alright Jesus. I'm willing to figure this out. I'm willing to open up and let you come in. I need a savior and you're it. The way I've been living my life trying to get my stuff together, it's not working. I'm fooling myself saying it is. 
and I need you. So Holy Spirit, fall. Jesus, fill their hearts as they say yes to you. As they say yes to you and they begin to stand on the promises. The promise that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting eternal life. Thank you, Jesus. Wherever people are in the sound of my voice, may they recognize that there is that the sorrow lasts for the night. Joy comes in the morning. Here we are, God. Empty vessels. Empty people. With all kinds of issues and problems, yet you love us so much. To call us your children. So here are your children. Take us. Lift us up. That's why we raise our hands, just like little kids. Pick us up. Lift us out of the mud and the mire. And give us a firm place to stand. In your name we pray. Amen. Yeah. 
So I'm so often amazed um, at how God puts things together in spite of us. Because, um, you know, like I, when I do a series, they often get scriptures and stuff. But a lot of times we're just, we're just like have no clue what we're doing. Um, just to let you know, right? We have no clue. And um, it's just awesome how like every song and everything just matched what God wanted. Uh, the whole theme. Uh, you, uh, a lot of times you don't hear that or see that. And it's just pretty amazing. So if you don't think God's at work, just talk to us because we have no clue. Um, so, but anyway, I just wanted to uh, share that. So yeah, this week when you're going through suffering, just kind of, because it's going to happen. You're going to have a bad day. Somebody's going to mess it up as soon as you leave here. All right. So, but just, um, just look at it a little bit differently, different perspective. Also next week, next week, we're going to continue with the next word. Um, I am thirsty. Okay. And we're going to talk about um, need um, when we're in need. Okay. So, because uh, some people don't like to receive help when they're need, do they? Um, so, but I want you to have an awesome week in Jesus. Uh, say hello to someone around you, and just have a great week in the Lord. God bless. Later.